This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Cool. We're Psalm 99. It is another Psalm of praise. We've been in this little section of praise songs. I love them. I think they're fabulous. I think they're wonderful. The, the the time spent going through each psalm, and especially the ones here where they're recognizing uh, God and, and, and who he is and worshiping him and glorifying him is important. The psalm starts out, as many of the psalms in this section, start out with, I'm going to sing a new song because of the like the new mercies that are new every morning. This one starts out with the presupposition the most important, really, presupposition theologically, I think it's the starting point of every theological movement, the thing, the place where you gotta, you got to have a starting point to understand God, and, and it starts with that starting point, the, the place that's the best for that. The Lord reigns, meaning God is sovereign. Uh, you keep saying it over and over again to people because they need to hear it. The sovereignty of God. I'm not. I'm not teaching a some form of systematic theology. I'm not teaching you something that is written down in some other book somewhere. I'm not pushing that agenda or any agenda like that because I, I don't really believe in systematic theology. But that being said, I am teaching you straight scripture, and many of the overriding, abiding, long-term themes of of, of the Word of God that start in Genesis and end in Revelation have to be understood and they have to be taught, 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 taught. They, your mind has to hear it over and over and over and over and again because your heart and your mind tend to wander toward selfishness, tend to wander toward worshiping yourself or worshiping the things around you. And in order for salvation to really have its full effect in your life, you have to continually fundamental truths from God's word. And one of the fundamental truths from God's word that cannot be escaped is God is sovereign. He is in control. He is over the earth. He exists beyond creation, and his existence is what causes creation and everything that we see each and every day. His existence is what sustains that and causes that to have life and purpose. And so understanding that about is of the utmost importance. He says, let the Lord reign. Let the peoples tremble. Notice, if he's in charge, then we should fear him. If he's ultimately the one who is uh, seated, seated on his throne, then we should fear and we should understand that position that he's in, and we should understand the position that places us in. Now, that that position that it places us, he is altered by his work, but we need to understand that. He says, he dwells between the cherubim, and that's speaking of right on the on the altar, on the uh, Ark of the Covenant, there were two cherubs that were fashioned or formed on top of the Ark, and in between uh, those two cherubs, they would sit, and their wings would, would were stretched out and touched each other, and at the spot where they touched were the wings of the cherubs that sit on the Ark of the Covenant, where they touched, it's called the 
It's called the mercy seat or the propitiate, the point of propitiation, which is the place where the eternal met the physical. And, and when he says here, he dwells between the cherubs, what that means is he's not only in charge of the universe and he reigns above and beyond creation. What that means is that God, the eternal God, actually interacts with the physical. And you need to know that. You need to understand that. The eternal God, though he be beyond everything, wants to interact with us. He wants to interact with that which he created. And so at that point, that spot where the eternal meets the physical, by the way, that spot on top of the cherubs now exists in our heart. Okay? So the spot where the eternal meets the physical, now it exists where our hearts are. Okay, and so now the eternal God meets the physical world within the hearts of men. Okay, Jesus said, "You you ask where the kingdom of God is," and He says, "It doesn't come with it doesn't come with observation, and you won't be able to say go over there and there it is, or come over here." He says, "Because because the kingdom of God is now in your heart. It's right here. Okay, it's where the eternal meets the physical. The eternal God." meets us in our hearts. And that that's one of those eternal truths that, that follow after his sovereignty. He's sovereign, he's above, he's beyond, he's greater, he's more than we could ever imagine and that we could ever observe in his creation. And yet he's eternal and he meets with us in our hearts. He says, let the earth be moved. See, when God touches the physical world with his eternality, when he touches the physical world with his eternality, he, he changes things. He alters the world and it trembles at his touch, trembles at his movements. The world, the world and that which is in it, which includes us, do not move God. God moves us. He says, the Lord is great in Zion. Remember, that's the place of his power and his control in the earth. He's, he's using these symbols, these Old Testament symbols that have deep spiritual meaning and have deep New Testament spiritual meaning also. He's using these these symbols to, to show us what he's doing. He says, the Lord is great in Zion and he is high above all the peoples. Notice, he's above everyone. He's not just above his people. He's not just the commander of his army. He's above all things. I, it makes me always remember when Joshua met the angel, the, the commander of the Lord's host, which was pre-incarnate Christ, when he met the commander of the Lord's host outside of uh, Jericho, and when he met him there, J Joshua said, on whose side are you on? And the commander of the Lord's host, Jesus himself said, I am on nobody's side, I'm on my own side. And that is a great understanding of God. He is the side we join. He doesn't join our side, we join his side. And that's important. We don't have a side. If we have a side, our side is ruined. He has a side and his side, there's all of life found there. He says, let them praise your great and awesome name. And he it says, he's a high above the people. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. He is set apart. There is none like him. He's holy. Let us praise his great and awesome name. Let's praise his great and awesome name. The king's strength also loves justice. Notice, God's strength loves what is right. It's not that God is some tyrannical dictator. 
It's not that God is some meanie up in, in heaven laying down his rules for life. He brings about what is just and right. And he says that the king's strength, God's power brings about and he loves justice. He says, you have established equity, meaning oftentimes we, we, we get so caught up on everything being equal in the sense of we're not thinking about being equal in the, in, in the equality of access to God, the equality of the relation, the love that God sheds on us, the equality of our opportunity in this world. Oftentimes, uh, when people talk about equality, what they're really talking about is everything being the same. And God did not create the universe and did not create his creation and did not create us and did not create the land and the sea and all that's in those things. He did not create them all the same. He did not. We're not all the same, but we have equity before God in that we have the quality of his, his, to experience his love, his grace, the quality of access to him, the equality of opportunity for ourselves in the world. And how that works out uniquely in our lives is not going to be the same. It's never going to be the same because God glorifies himself in the diversity of who we are. But we, and oftentimes the, we, we have all these ideas and understandings. We have all these values. And one of the values that people want to push all the time is sameness. They, they call it equality, but it's not really equality. It's same. God is an equitable God, meaning he is equally loving toward us. He's equally giving us opportunities. And that being said, he's equally uh, working in our lives. But that work and that opportunity and how that manifests itself in the world is not going to be the same. It's never going to be the same. So you shouldn't try to want to be the same as someone else. You want, you need to try, you always want to try to glorify God yourself. And trust me, your glorification of God is just as important. It's just as desired by God. And it's just as, it's just as valuable to him as anyone else's. And how that oftentimes we want to measure outcomes. Remember, God's in charge of the outcome. <clears throat> we're, we're not in charge of the outcome. And, and God is not measuring you up by the outcome because he knows he's in charge of the outcome. What he cares about for you is that you glorify him uniquely in your own way and in your own place and how you live and allow him uh, to be Lord of your life, to allow him to manifest his full uh, light and grace through you and how that works out and how that how that outcome results from that, all, all of that, how that works out for through, through the ages and through your life is up to him. So let him be equitable to you, meaning yeah, love you equally, love you, uh, give you equal access to him, and then allow him to uniquely glorify himself through you. He says, you have established equity. You've executed justice and righteousness in Jacob, meaning he's going to bring about what's right. He's going to bring about what's right in Jacob. Jacob is the name for Israel. That is his fleshly name that speaks to his, speaks to his broken and, and flawed nature. And he says he executes judgments and righteousness in our flawedness. He does in our flawed nature. He does. He says, exalt the Lord our God. Meaning after I've said all these things in the first four verses, shouldn't he be praised for that? Absolutely he should. And worship at his footstool. He's holy, meaning you have access to him. He's holy 
exalt him and allow him to glorify himself in your life. Now, he goes back, Moses and Aaron were among his priests, meaning he's going back to that very beginning where he sets up a priesthood, where he, uh, remember, a priest exists in order to give the people access to God. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. And Samuel was among who uh, was among those who called upon his name. Samuel was a, a priest and a prophet. And notice he's going back and he's saying, every, when he's told us in verse five that we should go and we should worship him, he says, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, his holy. Now he's saying, this is how you have access to that. God's already set it up so that you can have access to him. He says, Moses and Aaron were among his priests and Samuel was among those who called upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. Notice, God's already set it up so that you can call upon his name and he'll answer you. God's already set it up where you have an equitable access to him. You're equally, God is equally available to you as anyone else. And you ought to take advantage of that. Really, you should. Oftentimes, we want to have somebody else to go up and go meet with God before us. We want to set people up on spiritual pedestals. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times we call that pastor, or we call that our Sunday school teacher, call that one of our really close friends, and, and we set them up on spiritual pedestals so that they can between be between us and God, and then we'll ask them to pray for us and all that kind of stuff. And nothing wrong with that, but the problem is if you're asking them to pray for them because you're not cheap seeking after God yourself, you're not going to see him yourself. If you're doing that, boy, you're setting yourself up to miss out on what God has provided for you, and what he's provided for you is access to him. And he wants you to experience that access to him. He wants you to engage him. He wants you to come and meet with him. And he started that process and set it up through Moses and Aaron and then through Samuel the prophet and, and made it possible that David and Saul and Solomon and, and all those who come after them might also, might also meet with God and know him. And now through Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest, there's no need for anyone to be our mediator between him and God, between ourselves and God. God has given us the perfect high priest and it's Jesus. And so we have access to God personally through him. He says, uh, they called upon the Lord and he answered. They spoke, uh, he spoke to them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and his ordinance that he gave them. Notice there's interaction there and God is instructing them. He's teaching them. He's growing them. He's showing them. The, that's You take this Old Testament 3,000 years ago writing and you can just bring it right down to the day we live in today and see that God is still doing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's still doing what he's always been doing. He says, you answered them, O Lord, our God. You were to them God who forgives. Notice, he said, you, they called to you and you answered, I, I can't even remember what the song is, and I sure couldn't sing it, but he says, I called and you answered. That's a, that's a, a very comforting thought that I called upon the Lord and he answered. And he says, you kept his, that he, he spoke to them in the cloud appeared. You answered them, O Lord, our God. You were to them the God who forgives. And, and you are, he is, that's, he's the God who forgives. And oftentimes we think of forgiveness as some, you know, kind of legal decree where God says, I forgive you. When you think about forgiving somebody, you, you make some legal decree, I forgive you. That's not really what forgiveness means. Forgiveness means to release you from the bondage that sin has created. And sin creates bondage. Sin holds you down and holds you back from God's best. 
And God says, I forgive you, which means I release you from that. I release you. I let you go from that. And God is in the process of letting you go from the sin that's in your life. Trust me. You may think that it has total control of you. And you may be listening this morning and you think you might be dealing with some a drug issue. You might be, be dealing with some sexual issue. You might be dealing with some uh, some anger, bitterness issue. You may be dealing with some relational issue. And you may th be thinking, I have fed and let this fester in my life for years and years for so long, and there's just no way to get away from it anymore. I am, I am under its total spell and control. And as you sit there and you feel that in your heart, I, I would say to you that the eternal God who has existed far beyond the time that you have lived, he says, I release you. He forgives. He's the God who forgives. He's the God who releases you from that. And he says, I am at work in releasing you from that bondage. I'm at work today releasing you from that bondage. Uh, though you took vengeance on their deeds. Notice, although God does rightly punish, does, although God does rightly judge our sin, sinful and wrong, he's still in, just because he says it's wrong, doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that he's not working forgiveness for us. And so many people want to stick their lip out and say, God said, if I'm wrong and I, if I'm just not going to believe in him no more, I'm not going, I'm not going to listen to that. Well, remember, first of all, you got, in order to fix any problem in your life, you got to admit you got a problem. When God identifies our problems, we should agree with him that it's a problem because he's not identifying our problems for the purpose of condemning us. He's identifying our problems for the purpose of bringing about restoration, bringing about releasing us from the bondage of those problems, to bring about ultimately our salvation and our best. And admitting you have a problem is not the issue. You should admit, you should agree, agree with God that it is sin and he rightly judges it as that. And then allow him to move. He said, though you took vengeance on their deeds, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill for the Lord our God is holy. Meaning allow him to identify those things. Allow him to let you know how he's moving in your life. Allow him to release you from those things and allow you to come up to his holy hill, to his holy place. Worship him at his home. You join him and his family at his place. And, and if you let him do that, well, we have his best. We have a sincerely and, and greatly, we have his best. And isn't that what we really want? Isn't that what we want out of life? We want his best? Uh, I think we do. And this has been a great psalm. It's actually uh, a great psalm in the sense of, uh, it's a great psalm in the sense of it is a, a beautiful worship psalm, but it's also a great psalm in, uh, psalm in the sense that it shows us that God is intimately at work and that the eternal is always meeting the physical in our hearts and that when God meets us, change is bound to happen. Change is bound to happen and, and we want to see change. We need that change because we don't want to live continually in, in the struggles that we're in today. I want to be changed by him and I want to walk in fullness tomorrow. And I know you do. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.